We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? we got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're 3-1 and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome back to the Roadwire College Football Podcast. Nick Whalen. Joined by John McKechnie. You can find him at John's Tailgate on Twitter. John, we have resurrected. We are the Lazarus of College Football <laughs> Podcast. Um, man, it's been a while. It's been a very long time uh, since you and I have, you know, spoken in person even very infrequently uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, we, we've been chatting all the time about college football, about the NFL, uh, even, you know, indulge you in some NBA talk every now and then. But mm-hmm. it is very good to be back in a formal setting talking about college football because less than three days from now, uh, I, I don't want to do the, the official calculation, but uh, around noon central time on Saturday, we will have actual college football games that count. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, again, likewise, man, it's, it's always good to, to chat with you. Uh, you know, we're, we're chatting it up all the time, but you know, in the, uh, in the podcast, in the take dome, uh, you know, we're in the take cave uh, really. Um, so it, it's nice to, to be back in it, even if we are, uh, very far apart because of the uh, the pandemic, and you know we've both uh, moved. Uh, but either way, man, this is good. This is this is something I always look forward to every summer. Uh, we obviously getting a little bit of a later start than we have it in in recent seasons, but uh, we're back, man. It feels good and and just in time to deliver the week zero goodness. Yeah, man, I, I've dubbed my new location the TIAA Bank uh, Take Zone here in West Dallas, <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> Different location than last year. I, I have uh, I, I've moved locations a little bit uh, south of where I was last year. Uh, my neighbor has been firing up his uh, weed whacker or chainsaw, something of that ilk, uh, all afternoon. So if you hear that at all, hear a little horsepower in the background of the pod, uh, just try to tune that out. But, man, we have a ton to get to. We're going to talk week zero DFS. We're going to talk uh, initial Heisman odds that have been out for a while. Uh, those have been kind of you know making slight changes as the betting markets shift here and there. Uh, we'll talk title odds, uh, kind of forecast some of the top contenders. Um, but I want to start with just kind of a, I, I guess, a general recap of what 
the hell is going on? I don't. I, can I say the H word on here? I think I can. Uh, yeah, um, no, you, you're good. Okay, all right. What is going on with Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, it, I, would, I was going to say potentially leaving the Big 12, but that seems like all but a done deal at this point. Uh, all of a sudden, something called the Alliance uh, has, has come to the forefront of college football. Um, as someone who's been following this as closely as anyone in the industry, John, like try to distill for myself and for the listeners, like what, what do we know right now for a fact? Where is this thing headed? Is there anything that we need to worry about in the short term? Or is this all, you know, 2023, 24, 25, you know, down the road uh, type of dreams? So uh, what, what I, from what I understand, Texas and OU are, are the ones that are for sure leaving the big 12 that this, this whole thing kind of just leaves the big 12 in a, in a lurch, you know, with, with the proposed Alliance, I'll get to that in a second with, with the big 10, the ACC and the, and the PAC 12. So again, you know, we're, we're just kind of looking at a bunch of refugee programs outside of uh, Texas and OU who have obviously found their, their future landing spot. We think that's going to happen in 2025, but uh, we've seen things move quicker. I mean, there is like the official extended invite from the SEC to those programs. So if the Big 12 dissolves, this could uh, move uh, faster than 2025 is, is my understanding. But mm-hmm. um, as it stands, and I think like Georgia and OU are supposed to start their season against each other in 2023. So I don't, I don't know what would happen with that because that's supposed to be, you know, obviously as it stands, a non-conference game. But um, what we'll see where that goes you know, that this likely puts an end to divisions in the SEC. Uh, we'll likely see pods form. You know, this will be a 16-team conference with, with four pods. I think it makes all the sense in the world. That would open the door for, you know, if you, if you come in your freshman year and you play four years, you would have played every single team in the conference. That's very cool, in my opinion. You know, as an anecdote, Georgia didn't play Texas A&M for the first seven years that they were in the conference. So I, I I hate that. I, I think that these teams that should be rotating, playing a lot more often. Uh, I think it's a bummer that that you know you can go over five years with it without playing a given team that's in your own conference. So uh, the, I'm all in favor of the pods. Uh, as far as the alliance is concerned, uh, you know that that picked up some steam. It felt a little bit reactionary to you know the, this looming kind of super super conference in the SEC, but you know that they, they make this big announcement on Tuesday and it's just like the most nothing announcement ever. I mean, they, they go ahead and, and basically say that this is one big handshake deal. And it's like, well, that, that just means absolutely nothing. Like if there's not, if there's nothing in writing, then stuff is, people are going to back out. People are going to back off of, of whatever handshake deals that, that they've made. There's no contract signed. So who knows where, where this goes as far as that this reported Alliance is concerned. I, I think one of the better uh, tweets I saw yesterday um, was the picture of, of the Magicians Alliance from Arrested Development. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, that. that's pretty much what this boils down to. It's like, we demand respect. It's like, yeah, yeah, it pretty much has that same energy. So um, not not a ton to take away from that. that. That was all just kind of a big lead up to a big uh, nothing, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I love the, the line in the, the report that I read, and I think it was an official statement from the Alliance, uh, which I feel like there, there was that side NFL league, right, called like the Alliance Football League. Yeah, the AAF. Like that. Yeah, or Alliance of Football. Like the Alliance is just like too cliche of a term. And like you said, there's the Magicians Alliance already that everybody knows about. Like, yes, I, it's just a hard it's a hard term to take seriously. And then when you when you parse through the statement and, you know, they, they said something to the effect of, no, there's no contract. It's all built on trust. Well, wasn't Oklahoma and Texas being in the in the Big 12 primarily built on trust and there was a contract there and it still didn't matter? 
Um, it's just, you know, I, I, it feels like kind of a, a scramble desperation type of move by these conferences to try to preserve, like the, the goal is so abstract too, right? Like the, the goal is like to preserve college athletics as it is while at the same time, you know, every, every athlete is now able to get paid. Like I, 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 am very much unclear what the goal of the Alliance is long-term. I'm not totally sure either. And I think with, with the playoffs expanding, um, I think there's, there's less need to form this type of thing where we're going to be able to sort out, you know, who the top 12 teams are, you know, I mean, there will always be debate on, on who's the 13th, who's the 14th, like no matter how you, how you have it, that there will be controversy within that. But I mean, there, there's definitely going to be just more seats at the table. There's no need to like form this, you know, corny super conference to, to try to like boost your odds essentially of, of getting into the playoff with the playoff already having expanded to, um, to 12 teams coming up in the next, uh, or not after, not this year, but obviously, uh, thereafter. So yeah, this whole thing was strange. I I did have, you know, visions in my head of of Miami playing out at Corvallis, uh, for, for PAC 12 after dark against Oregon state and getting scared by the chainsaw, the turnover chainsaws, uh, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day that I guess it's not going to happen or, or, you know, whatever does happen, it won't be, you know, this official thing where, where, where it gives us something to, to really, really look forward to. I mean, that if you really maximize this idea of the alliance, you know, and we, we're getting Clemson versus USC or Clemson versus Ohio State in the regular season, like I, I think everyone would be all for it, but I, I just don't think this is really going to net anything close to that. Yeah, in theory, there, there are certainly are some, some benefits. Like you said, I think it would almost it would almost force some of these teams that maybe dance around each other when it comes to scheduling um, or at least give them more incentive, you know, to play these type of games. But it just has so many ripple effects, you know, across, you know, not only college football, but, you know, college basketball, you know, some of the, the non-revenue sports as well. Um, you know, we've, we've only known college football really to be one way. And that's, you know, with, with the conference model where, where things are relatively balanced. You know, you, you certainly have conferences that dominate certain sports or certain regions. Um, but it, it's, I think a lot of it is kind of fear of the unknown because, you love college football as much as anybody. So do I, I love college basketball as well. A lot of people do, and it feels like kind of a perfect model. And, you know, I think that's part of the, the resistance to all the NIL stuff too, is like, Hey, this has been great. Like I have so many great nostalgic memories of the NCAA tournament and, and guys that I fell in love with who were there, you know, doing the right things. They were there as students. Mm -hmm. Um, And this kind of feels the same way where it's like, I, I I like how these conferences have been organized. Like I like the rivalries we have, I like that, you know, some of these teams maybe only play each other in bowl games or on big stages. Um, I, I don't know if there's kind of a, a fear of change, but I, I feel it a little bit as well. You know, like I, I understand that there's a need to, to change and evolve. And, and obviously money is the driving factor right. behind all of this. But so, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to fault Texas and Oklahoma if, if it really is going to mean, you know, this huge uptick in revenue for them. But, man, part of me is just like, hey, can't we all just agree that we have a really good thing going here? Um, but, but obviously, you know, there's a thousand reasons why that's not taking place. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the, the resistance to change is definitely a, a big part of this. And, you know, the, the people that already have the respective seats at the table, they don't want to give up an inch of, of that power. And, and, you know, programs like, like a Texas who have been kind of on the outside looking in over the last decade, when they're not used to being in that position, you know, that they, they want to find their, their next ladder up, um, to, to get back to it. Um, I, I thought there was a, a with, you know, how crazy this was when there was like actual like state legislation uh, and like discussion on, on the state floor about it. And I think Baylor's president 
or, or TCU's president was like, what, like it, you're, you, you just are trying to trade losing to Baylor for losing to Alabama. Like, is that your end game here? So it's like just absolutely going for the jugular of, of Texas, which, uh, you know, I appreciate some just overall smack talk that, that, uh, crosses the aisle as it were, and, and, uh, can just be said on, on the floor of, of the Texas state house. All right, let's get into some Heisman trophy odds. Um, yes. Like I said, these have been out for a while. Uh, if, if you're following college football, you know, none of the names that you see in the top five or 10 here, uh, are going to be, you know, all that unfamiliar, but Spencer Rattler opening up as the favorite, he's the favorite at FanDuel. He's the favorite at BetMGM. He's the favorite at points bet. Um, but before we get into the rest of the names, are, are you on board with Rattler sitting atop the field here? I'm not sure that I am. I, I think that we, uh, there's been a lot of anointing of Spencer Rattler, not only as, as the Heisman, but like as, as the uh, you know, future number one pick uh, in next year's draft. I don't know, man. Like, it's not that I don't think he's good. And, I, and you know, like the, the fact of the matter is he's Oklahoma's quarterback. Like he's going to put up crazy numbers. And he got better over the course of the season last year. But um, I'm just – I don't think it's a great play necessarily. Even if the odds are, you know, plus 800, um, I don't think it's great to just chase the, the absolute tippy top of the board. I, I try to hunt value a little bit further down if I can. Um, you know, Rattler's a guy who, you know, threw those three picks against Kansas State last year, lost that game on, on the road against Iowa State as well. Not that Iowa State was was any bit of a slouch, but, um, you know, there are just some kind of um, mercur- mercurial moments with, with Rattler. Um, again, I'm sure the numbers will be great, but if OU drops a game, you know, that that definitely opens the door for, for some of these next guys up to um, to overtake him. Um, as the Heisman favorite. So I, I would probably, if, I, if I'm wagering Heisman, I'm probably looking elsewhere. I, I think you're right there. I mean, I, I don't necessarily have a great argument for why Rattler shouldn't be sitting atop the list here because a, a lot of the guys below him are are speculative. You know, you have CJ Stroud, who, you know, that's really completely unproven at Ohio State. Um, Bryce Young, you know, DJU, basically the same way. Like we've seen glimpses of these guys, but it's not like you have this bona fide you know, returning, you know, Lamar Jackson coming back after winning the Heisman or anything like that. Like a lot of the hype around some of the, the secondary contenders is ultimately speculative. And even though Rattler wasn't perfect last year, we at least have a sample of him being pretty to really good for most of the season. So I get that. But if I'm going to be betting a favorite, even at eight to one, which is not the worst odds, you could get that at FanDuel. If I'm betting a favorite, I'd want to feel like I'm betting on a Trevor Lawrence type of player or an Andrew Luck type of player. Neither of those guys won it. But, you know, they were kind of the incumbent coming in and you you knew they were at least going to be in the hunt or like essentially be a finalist. And, you know, with Rattler, I, I think he certainly has that appeal. But I, I feel like if if like the top five to seven guys all have their best season, Spencer Rattler isn't the Heisman winner, if that makes sense. No, that's a, that's an absolutely great way of putting it. So, so it's almost like he's the favorite by default. I think the only other guy that you could kind of fit into that default category would be Sam Howell because we have two years of, right. of him be, being awesome. But, you know, I think they have a longer shot because a UNC is, is, you know, easily, you know, several levels below Clemson as far as uh, winning that conference is concerned. And they're the second best team in that conference, of course. But, um, you know, I, I think that, that there's that glass ceiling of, of UNC uh, coming in second in the, in their respective conference that, that kind of drives them down. And obviously they, they lost De'Ami Brown, they lost Michael Carter, Javante Williams has Newsom. So, um, a lot of new guys to work with. So that, that, that all kind of leads it to, to Sam Howell. 
being a little bit further away from the pack. And then JT Daniels is a guy who um, has a greater sample that, than DJU, than, than Bryce Young, uh, than CJ Stroud. But my question with him is less about what he did at the end of last year. Um, I think some people have tried to overcorrect things. You know, that he obviously generated some hype with the way he played in those last four games last year. And they, they, they try to poke holes and say like, oh, well, who did he do it against? Um, you know, and it, it's, it's fair, but it's like, well, he lit everybody up. So like, what was he supposed to do in that situation? But I, I think when it comes to Daniels, I don't think that Georgia's offense is going to be humming at the level of a Oklahoma, let alone Clemson, Bama, or Ohio State. I think that Daniels isn't going to be asked to be throwing it 40 plus times a game. I don't think we're going to see a ton of uh, 400 yard games from him. And he's also not a mobile guy so that there's just not going to be um, that rushing element to, to his overall production that that makes him the, the clear uh, pick for Heisman, I, in my opinion. So, you know, he, he can definitely help put himself in, in the driver's seat or at least in contention for it after week one, uh, depending on how Georgia and Clemson shakes out. But um, Daniel's at, at the third uh, highest odds is, is something that, that I would avoid. I would much sooner go after if I'm speculating. I'm going Bryce Young. I think just Bama is such a machine right now. They, they lose uh, Steve Sarkeesian. They lose, obviously, last year's Heisman winner, who is a receiver. Um, they lose Jalen Waddell. I don't think they have either guys of quite that level on the team for, for this year, at least, that are ready to play like that. But, I mean, Bryce Young is different, man. Like, he's crazy good at coming out of modern day out in California. Um, it, it, you know, if Mac Jones wasn't Mac Jones last year, we, w- we would have seen Bryce Young, I think, at the helm as a, as a true freshman a year ago. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but um, he's got a laser uh, arm. He's got great speed, mobility, that kind of thing. So he's just going to be doing things that make you uh, drop your jaw every single week. So if, it, if I'm really – and again, this all got, comes down to I, – I truly believe this is more often than not – a quarterback's award. I think one of the running backs would have to go absolutely nuclear to do it. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. But but yeah, the, I'm I'm like trying to zero in my focus and pick a quarterback. And I think Bryce Young ha- has the best uh, chance to do it. Yeah, we'll talk nine quarterbacks in a sec. I did want to bring that up. I mean, essentially since the mid two thousands, and and even for the most part before that, um, you know, basically since two thousand, Ron Dane in ninety nine. Um, you know, capped off a three-year run where a non-quarterback won it, where it was Charles Woodson, Ricky Williams, uh, and, and Ron Dane. And pretty much since then, you know, it's been like a seven-to-one ratio of quarterback to uh, any other position. And, and more often than not, it's been running back. Obviously, Devontae Smith last year uh, bucked that trend. But, um, you know, it, I think it's going to be a long time probably again until we see another receiver challenge for that award. I, I think what you said about Bryce Young makes a lot of sense. I think you could make a similar argument for CJ Stroud at Ohio State, just kind of such a plug and play system at this point. Uh, and obviously, Uyungalele as well is kind of in that same boat where, you know, the, the talent around them can change. The, certainly the quarterback position can change. Um, but, you know, the floor is so high for these guys and they're so talented coming in, even as younger players, that there's just not, there's not the, the, the worry that you would have with an unproven quarterback starting in a different school. Um, my question with, with Bryce Young uh, specifically, you know, gone are, you know, is that quartet of receivers, you know, at Alabama that, that we've come to know so well over these last couple of years. Every single one of those guys has moved on at this point. You know, we got to see a decent amount of John Mechie last year, um, especially after Waddle went down. 
Um, Slade Bolden, you know, guys like this are, are, are not exactly household names. They're, they're names that people who watch the SEC know. But how big of a step down, if any, is there in talent at, at the running back or at the wide receiver positions when you're losing guys like Smith and Waddle and Ruggs and, and Najee Harris at running back? Right. So that that's those are obviously huge losses. But, you know, you know, if there's a single program that can absorb that and just kind of keep rolling into the next year that, you know, this is the one this is Alabama. So, uh, again, Mechie is a, is a guy who I'm, I'm very confident in being able to take on that that number one role. Um, and then I, I think you just you kind of look back to that 2017 class, the one that, that all just finished getting drafted, where you had Jerry Judy, where you had Henry Ruggs, where you had Devontae Smith. And those guys all kind of helped fuel. I mean, Calvin Ridley was there too, of course, at the time. That was his last year in college. But um, that they were all able to come on and immediately produce. So I think that Alabama has the next one of those. In Aguille Hall, um, the freshman, he was pretty dominant in that Alabama spring game. I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. They also, you know, Bama doesn't usually need to do this, but they, they dabbled in the transfer portal and they, t- they got Jameson Williams from Ohio State, a complete speedster, you know, a former um, highly rated recruit in his own right. Um, JoJo Earl, I think it might be the highest rated recruit for, from this particular um, uh, receiver hall for, for Alabama as well. So even if these guys aren't established, I still think that, uh, you know, when it comes down to, to just getting them on the field and letting them develop, I think we're going to see something pretty similar to what we saw from that trio of super freshmen um, at Alabama in 2017 with, with Judy, with Ruggs, um, and with Devontae Smith. And that's a terrifying proposition. That's obviously a really high bar for them to meet and, and let alone clear, but I'm, I wouldn't bet against it, honestly. So that there's enough there in that receiver room, absolutely. So you hinted at it already, but if you if you do want to go against the grain and go against you know modern history, essentially, and and bet on a non-quarterback. You want to fl- throw your money on fire. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> give, give someone a losing bet here. Let's let's throw out a terrible bet. Um, I mean, you have John Robinson at 25 to 1. Frankly, given the numbers that we just kind of read off here as far as how rare it's become uh, for a running back, especially – I also think it's especially true when you have some stud quarterbacks. You know, we just talked about like six guys who would all basically have to play under expectations to not win the Heisman. Uh, while having you know a running back like Robinson or, or whether it's Brees Hall at Iowa State, who you can get at slightly better odds on FanDuel, you like those guys have to have insane seasons, and you also need to have a quarterback. You know, you, you basically need to have no quarterback have a crazy season because if if any of those quarterbacks that we just talked about play really really well, they're going to run away with the award, even if Bijan Robinson you know puts up like two thousand yards, right? Like if the tie is mm-hmm. going to go to the quarterback, so you you just need so many things to break in your favor. For, for a running back to win the Heisman, which if you told that to someone in like 1982, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that, that makes no <laughs> What sense. happened? Yeah, Football's right? gone like, to the hippies. Football, football sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if, is it, is it Robinson? Is it Hall? Is there, is there another, you know, whether it's a running back or a receiver? Um, is there anybody, you know, people should be keeping their eye on maybe, maybe a left tackle. Is there like a Robert gallery in the mix here? <laughs> oh, if only man, uh, I think the, the only, uh, non-skill guy that, that might be able to, to challenge for it would be Derek Stingley, especially if LSU yeah. works him, uh, onto the offensive side of the ball or lets him return kicks, which I think was kind of like a, a ha- yeah. handshake deal promised to him. Uh, when he I, got I there, do, the- I do want to say, by the way, how awesome is that? Like that, that's like the coolest thing ever when a really cool defensive back also gets some carries or like they make a point to, to like 
try to get him a couple touchdowns just to put him in the Heisman race. Like See, I'm, I'm yes. 100% on board for doing that. Yeah. So like visions of Chris Gamble dance through my brain right now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, that, that's the, that's the best, but, but to answer your initial question, yeah. Like what one of these running backs is going to have to go nuclear. Um, you know, Brees Hall had like over 20 touchdowns a year ago and still wasn't even like close to the podium. Um, so, so, I mean, it's going to have to be B. John Robinson. I think he would be the one. Um, I, I think that he has that talent. It, it took, Texas forever to kind of unleash him. And, and you know, I, I think that, that that's a pretty huge indictment on, on now fired head coach uh, Tom Herman. It's like, what what were you waiting for there, bud? But um, either way, I, I think that Bijan in in that um, Steve Sarkeesian system, like he can do the Najee Harris stuff this year. So that 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 should keep him in the running and keep him as like the the best bet among these skill position guys that the, the non quarterback guys. But I still just think it's such. A, a big ask. And I think also, you know, we're talking about how he would, he would need these top quarterbacks to falter or, or their teams to falter. So that means you're betting against Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state, all of them. So I think if there's truly the, a, um, a out of left field type of guy, you know, what's the most random school that won a Heisman in recent years, it's Louisville. It's, it's Lamar Jackson. So what about Malik Willis at, at plus 5,000 on FanDuel. I think that he would be the, the one that if you wanted to get a little bit uh, crazy with it, just throw a few bucks down. Um, you know, he's being talked about a, as, um, you know, a potential first round pick next year. Uh, comes into Liberty last year and just absolutely lights it up. Um, I think he's a pretty good bet to, you know, potentially throw for 3,000 yards uh, while also running for over 1,000. So if he, if he does that at Liberty, and some of these other guys are are falling a little bit short one way or the other. Then, man, that that opens the door um, for for something as um, unconventional as a guy from Liberty ending up winning because Liberty is also more than likely going to go undefeated. They have one of the easiest schedules in college football. Liberty, that's an easy schedule. What? <laughs> Believe it or not, man. Yeah, they they didn't really. Um, they didn't really tack it on this year too hard. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the runway is clear for, for Willis to just have an absolutely bonkers season. Yeah. Just typical Liberty. They're always, always shying away from the tough games. <laughs> I, I like where your head's at there. I, I think redirecting it away from, hey, here's a running back you could try to bet on or here's a receiver you could try to bet on and, and going with a long shot who is a quarterback who essentially could put up like half running back numbers as well. I, I think there, there's also a certain novelty that comes with Malik Willis, right? Where like, I, I think a lot of people want to see him succeed. I want, a lot of people want to see someone from Liberty be a true contender in the Heisman race, right? Am I off on that? Uh, you know, so I think so, some people have things to say about the Liberty University. So I don't know if they're rooting for him necessarily, but but they're rooting for, for Malik Willis. Uh, absolutely. Right. That's just a, a crazy story. I mean, it, the, the route he's taken to get there and, and you know, how fun he was to watch last year and, you know, basically like single-handedly uh, kind of taking over that bowl game against Coastal Carolina, which, you know, which we were hoping was going to get played during the regular season. That's obviously the game that uh, begat uh, that BYU Coastal uh, Classic as well. But um, I wish they, they didn't make them play each other in the bowl, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But, but yeah, I think that's going to be, I think people can just root for the non tradit like we don't like, always seeing the same five or six schools have the Heisman representatives. So um, getting a little bit of a different flavor in there um, is always fun. And, and I mean, what, I don't think that there's a better bet on the board 
for someone to that fits that bill to do that than Malik Willis because the, the numbers are going to be just like you, your creative player on, on like your fourth year of dynasty and NCAA fourteen. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's not only, you know, it's not like it's somebody from UCLA or somebody from Arizona State, you know, these these teams that don't usually produce Heisman contenders. It's someone from Liberty. It's like it's literally what you do on a video game is like sort by, all right, who's the worst team? I'm going to take that team. I'm going to win the Heisman with the quarterback. Like this is something that you would do in a video game. And it's, you know, it's it's relatively unrealistic, but it's, I mean, this is a guy who on the, on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now has the fourth highest odds to be the number one pick in the 2022 NFL NFL drafts. Like this is like a legitimate case that I I think could garner some momentum. I I know Malik Willis, it's not the same type of path uh, to the player I'm going to mention here, but you know, he he started at Auburn. It's not like he was completely unknown, but it's, it reminds me of like John Moran essentially becoming the number two pick in the NBA draft. And like everybody loved John Moran, especially in college. Like John Moran was the coolest guy, Mm -hmm. Uh, even in the season that had Zion Williamson, like John Moran was like the, you know, it, you kind of if if you were following really closely, you knew about him early on, and and you know by his final season at Murray State, he was you know a, a complete legend, and you know obviously carried that over to the NFL, and it feels like this is like a John Morant of college football situation. I, I really love that comp. Yeah, it was, you know, because like I, I would be in the office where like on, on Thursdays, I, I used to work a little bit later in the day, and like the ESPN two would would have these Murray State games on, and I would wonder why that was the case and then I, I quickly understood why like he was just so electric to watch so so yeah very very similar uh parallel there when it when it comes to to what Malik Willis uh, has in front of him this year I love that yeah and similar criticisms too of the schedule and you know didn't play anybody Paul that whole thing um <laughs> let's talk let's talk championship odds real quickly before we get into some DFS for for week zero Alabama unsurprisingly opens as the the universal favorite uh, regardless of what bet or what book I should say you're looking at. Um, I've seen them at plus 250 at FanDuel. Uh, Clemson, four to one. Georgia, five to one. Ohio State, six to one. Oklahoma, eight to one. Then we get a pretty big gap. Um, you have Iowa State. It's kind of at its own tier, uh, mm-hmm. at least at FanDuel, at 25 to one. Um, and then you kind of get into, quote, like the field. A&M, Florida, LSU, Miami, North Carolina, Oregon, Wisconsin, USC, Notre Dame, Penn State. Uh, teams that, you know, really need some breaks to to truly emerge. Um, so to me, you know, the way that the odds shake out, you basically have five teams that Vegas thinks could win the title this year. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with Vegas on this one. And, and it, I think it starts with Alabama. And, and just as the books uh, reflect, I think all five of those teams have a legitimate shot because, like we talked about, that, that lack of quarterback continuity makes this a little bit less of a slam dunk for even in Alabama, even though I was just singing Bryce, Bryce Young's praises so much. I think Clemson... They got blueprinted a little bit as far as as how they can lose. Um, let, uh, last season against Ohio State, they got just completely drubbed up the middle by by Ohio State's trenches. So I don't think that Dabo, if there's like a, a criticism to his recruiting, it's probably not getting these uh, offensive linemen to play at at high draftable levels. They had Jackson Carmen go on on day two, but like this is it. It kind of stands out to me that they're a school that isn't producing the the first round offensive lineman the way that these other programs are. So maybe that's something that that gets them beat at some point and, and knocks them out of the title race. Ohio State, I could see them taking a step back this year. I don't think that Stroud is is quite on that level of Justin Fields. I think he's come a long way um, since his, uh, his time as a recruit. Um, but I still, and he's going to get a lot of help, Garrett Wilson. Um, and Chris Olave, that's like the best receiver tandem in, in college football. Oklahoma, 
they get to play in the Big 12 um, so that their their path is laid out for them to at least make the playoffs. So there's that. Uh, and then, there, you know, there's Georgia. I personally bet on Georgia uh, when we were out in Vegas a, a few weeks ago. I think that it's all there in front of them. If they, if they get uh, the win over Clemson, that pretty much allows them a mulligan in the SEC championship game. I don't think that Florida is going to be able to beat them this year, and that's really their only competition uh, within their division. So um, Georgia could potentially – uh, just go t- go twelve and zero, lose in the SEC championship game, still get into the playoff. And if you're in the playoff, that then anything can happen. Really, um, it, this isn't like uh, the, those early years in the playoff where uh, they just had to find a, a fourth team, and then like Washington and Michigan State just got like sacrificed to, at the altar, that type of thing. Um, so Michigan State making the playoff remains just that's that's his, one of our best listeners loves Michigan State. I, I can't oh I can't say too much, but uh, we can trash on Washington instead. That that game was equally terrible. It was, but that Washington team was at least like cool and likable. Yeah, yeah. And had great uniforms. <laughs> like Michigan State was so out of place. Like, and that's gotten like the the further we we get removed from that playoff like the worse it looked it's like how did how did wisconsin and wisconsin is partially culpable here you know i take responsibility uh, hand for allowing up. michigan state to get there no that yeah shouldn't have uh, lost to iowa that that year that was a weird iowa year and then there was like a 20 play drive that that, that decided the big 10 championship that was just a, a mess it's always um, a weird iowa year oh yeah it, it, it yeah it's been a little bit since we've gotten one too so maybe maybe they'll peek their head back back out but if we want to talk field, I know that Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Iowa State, a little bit trendy, like you said, kind of in, in a tier of their own. But I'm going to say, if there is a team to bet on um, that's outside of that that top five that we were talking about, I think it is A and M. They just finally named their their starting quarterback today, Haynes King. Um, he was a big time recruit. I believe he came in last year. Obviously, sat behind Kellen Mond. A uh, and M has, if you look at mock drafts for next year, they have a ton of guys that they could potentially be going in the first round, especially on, on both uh, sides of, of the trenches. Um, they have one of the more productive tight ends in college football and Jaden Weidenmeyer. Uh, they have a guy named in Baylor cup, who was the number one tight end a couple of years ago. hasn't gotten to play because of injuries, but he's interesting. A&M, they, they played kind of a, an old school ish. I mean, relatively, I mean, it was cutting edge when, when Jimbo was doing it at Florida state, but you know, a lot of play action, a lot of using the tight end, that kind of stuff. They're, they're an uncomfortable team uh, to play against. And I think King is going to be able to execute that offense. It all comes down to what they can do against Alabama. I believe that game's in Tuscaloosa this year. So uh, it all comes down to that. Um, but, I mean, if they win that game, they can get to they can get to the SEC championship game. They're, they're going to be a problem for every single team that, that they play this year. And I don't think that they're going to lose to anyone other than Bama. And you know, again, that distills it all down to, to just one game. So if there, if there's a true long shot that that's pretty lively, I think it's A and M. Kind of in that same zone as A and M is Miami. They're at fifty to one um, at FanDuel, fifty to one at BetMGM, a little bit lower, um, fifty-five to one at PointsBet. They also have a huge game against Alabama that could decide their season. And unfortunately, or, or perhaps fortunately, depending on how you look at it. That comes in week one as part of the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Alabama, 18 and a half point favorites in that game, unsurprisingly. Um, but for a team in Miami that, you know, we're, we're talking about a team that has like the 10th best odds to win the title. So in theory, you know, it's it's not that big of a gap between uh, that team and Alabama. Is it a little discouraging if you're Miami, if you look up and see like, man, people think we're going to get beat by almost three touchdowns here. 
I mean, it, it's got to be, but it, it's it's real, man. I mean, the, the power is so concentrated at the top of college football and, and at the tippity top as well. So, I mean, I, I completely agree, and I'm not surprised that, that Bama is 18.5-point favorites for that opener. I like Alabama to cover that game, honestly. I, I think that Miami has a lot of good things going for it, but, you know, I'm fading them hard, man. I I, I don't like their win total at 9.5. I think that they could they can find a way to lose to a team that that you wouldn't expect along the way that this season. I think they'll be good for at least another loss after that Bama uh, game as well, and then and then one of those disappointment letdown trap game uh, types of things. And you know, Derek King is going to be good to go coming into the year, but he's a guy that that needs to be able to, to use his legs to be at his maximum effectiveness. Torres ACL in the bowl game. How much are they going to want him to run? Um, and they don't have particularly impressive receivers, and they lost Brevin Jordan uh, to the draft, the, the tight end. So, man, I, I'm i kind of out on Miami. I mean, I, I don't know how much people like playing the, those win total bets, but I feel pretty safe on, on Miami under nine and a half. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Any any love that I have for Miami still stems from mid-2000s. Roscoe Parrish, nostalgia. Correct. Uh, that, that's I, I'm unable to view them through an uncolored lens. Uh, let's look at week zero. Yes. We have five games this coming Saturday, August 28th, three of which are featured on DraftKings. We got Nebraska at Illinois. We got UConn at Fresno State, renewing that rivalry. We got Hawaii at UCLA, uh, UTEP, New Mexico State, Southern Utah, San Jose State. Those games will also be played Saturday night. Uh, again, not a part uh, of the three-gamer on DraftKings. Nebraska, six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. I'm actually seeing that uh, at some books at seven now uh, in favor of Nebraska. UConn, it's not looking good. 27-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at Fresno. <laughs> um, and then Hawaii, you know, traveling to UCLA. Uh, this one opened up, uh, I think, at 18. Now it's down. You know, there's a lot of public money coming in on Hawaii. It's down to UCLA, minus 17-and-a-half. To me, uh, Nebraska-Illinois, Probably the, the number one most intriguing game of these three, just because it is a conference game. You know, neither of these teams have been all that relevant in the Big Ten of late. Um, but still, some implications here. UConn-Fresno State is one of the most random 3-0 <laughs> matchups of all time. Like, how did this game even get scheduled? Um, and then, you know, the, the, the UCLA component of Hawaii-UCLA is going to be interesting. Chip Kelly's involved. You know, you, you have a star quarterback in DTR. Uh, which of these games do you want to start with? Which one are you most looking forward to? to tuning into on Saturday. So I think, I think it's Nebraska, Illinois in, in the sense that, um, that that's one that I had the hardest time getting a handle on, but I, I've been, I, I've spent most of the early part of this week trying to fix that. And I've been, you know, digging in on, specifically on Nebraska uh, because they've been just such a strange team. These, these last few years um, under, under Scott Frost, like such a disappointment. I was expecting so like so much better from them. Um, aesthetically the, the, um, the Hawaii UCLA game will be the most fun to watch because, um, you know, we, we got the highest total at 68 Hawaii's playing. So that's always just fun in its own right. But uh, I'm the most interested to see what happens, um, in that Nebraska, Illinois game. I think there, there's a lot of wrinkles there. Illinois brings back a ton of re returning talent on, on both sides of the ball. Um, but you know, they were also a defense that got gashed under, under Lovey Smith last year. I mean, like the, like giving up 230 rushing yards per game. Then you ask the question of who's going to be running the ball for Nebraska. So we can, we can get to that for the, for the DFS part of things uh, when we get to the positions and everything. But um, yeah, there, there's so many ways that this one can go. And I woke up this morning feeling 
like Illinois w- was the bet, and I, I would I almost went so went as far to think that um, I wouldn't mind Illinois money line. But and we were like you said, we're starting to see uh, this money come at this line start to move down. It was at seven. I think it opened at eight like this summer. Uh, now it's down to Nebraska six and a half. That's it's asking Nebraska to cover a touchdown on the road. And this iteration of Nebraska is so hard to trust. Um, and this is going to be the first game on, under your guy, Brett Bielema at Illinois. So, I mean, they're, they're going to the boys are going to be fired up and everything. So. I'm torn on this one, but I'm kind of starting to to wonder if if Nebraska, if like the public has turned a little bit too far away from Nebraska on this one, and it, it might end up being one of those ones where uh, you should take the favorite. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Bielema. I was reading some sort of like Big Ten preview type of piece like three or four weeks ago. Completely forgot that he was the head coach there. That changes everything <laughs> for me. I mean, that, that that's that's worth you know six to seven points uh, on the line. You would think week to week. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't have a great handle on this one. I'm not going to pretend like I, I have any expectation uh, for Brett Bielema at Illinois. I mean, we I guess we know a little bit more about this Nebraska team, but like you said, we what we know about them is they've been extremely disappointing since Scott Frost took over. Like that was one of those hires, kind of like the Big Ten version of Tom Herman going to Texas, where it was mm-hmm. like this is this is the one. This cannot fail. Within two years, they're going to be back. Like this is this is the guy. And frankly, I think relative to expectations, it couldn't have gone much worse so far. No, it's been it's been an abject disaster. He's got a, uh, shall we say, frosty relationship with the media. And in, in, right. uh, thank you, I'm sorry. Um, uh, in in Lincoln, it sounds like he's he's like always just being short with with them. Uh, so I mean, it's just it's a tense thing they got going on there. But I think that there still is uh, some reason for excitement. You know, this is Adrian Martinez is I believe is. Is this his fourth year potentially starting? I know that they they, they 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 roted, or, or I'm sorry, they rotated a whole bunch last year, and I'm sure that wasn't great for for the old confidence. But um, you know, his main uh, competition, McCaffrey, is gone, so it's his team. It's it, you know, it's his job. It's put up or shut up time for for both him uh, and Frost, really, because if you, if you remember correctly, uh, Frost said no to Joe Burrow. Because as he should, because he had this this Adrian Martinez kid there. Um, obviously, didn't work out particularly well. Uh, but you know that's neither here nor there. Only a national championship, a Heisman, not all that good stuff. But um, enough enough of the Nebraska politics. I think what what happens on the field Saturday is, is you know Nebraska. I think is just going to be able to uh, run the ball so well against Illinois. I don't trust that Illinois run defense. And I think that ends up being the difference in this one. If, if Nebraska uh, gets it established and gets, you know, 200, 250 rushing yards, um, I think that, that that swings it in Nebraska's favor and, they, and they're able to hold on by a touchdown. So how do you attack this DFS slate overall? I mean, it, some of these games have bigger totals than others. Obviously, Hawaii, UCLA could get out of hand. Um, I think it says something, and, and maybe this is just a, a potential pricing glitch on DraftKings, but it says something that Fresno State's two quarterbacks are the two highest-priced quarterbacks on this slate. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that's something else, right? Um, yeah, so Jake Hayner checks in at 9,700. He'll be the starter. Yeah. Uh, Logan Fife, his backup, like you mentioned, um, is going to be the um, – you know, he's checking in at 9,000. The, the – I mean, that's just a way of them kind of covering themselves uh, the, the way the DFS sites do it. Um, but I, that's not something that I think is involved in a good lineup building process. You want you want to take the starter unless, you know, there, there's news coming out that, that this guy 
isn't going to start or, or is going to rotate in one way or the other. And then, then it becomes uh, sketchy for both, uh, not just one. So don't do that. Even though I'm sure that Fife is going to get some playing time, I still don't think that he'll be able to outplay not like a Hawaii quarterback at $1,500 less on DraftKings that, that's playing a full 60 minutes. So that, that's just getting too cute. So the way that I'm going at quarterback for the, for this slate is I'm going for the, the quarterbacks uh, with the highest implied totals. Um, so that's going to be Jake Hayner. So going high for him. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson um, of UCLA. Hayner's not going to give you a ton of rushing production. So that is something to bear in mind if you wanted to, to maybe pivot and go with uh, Hawaii's quarterback, because that, that game of course has the high total um, Hawaii has, you know, a respectable enough implied total to where you can expect um, their offense to put up points. But I, I think in, in the bulk of my lineups, the bulk of, of most people's lineups is going to be some combination of, of Jake Hayner and Dorian Thompson Robinson, but you can drop down, um, you can get Siobhan Cordero at, of, of Hawaii, like, like I was mentioning. Um, he's 7,500, so that, that's certainly in play. And I think that Martinez is an interesting guy in the sense that people are probably so fed up with, with, with you know, these bad performances from him in DFS these last couple of years that they might be out on Martinez. So we could see a low roster percentage for him. And he could end up flipping the slate if, if you know, he kind of leads that run game charge for, for Nebraska. I don't think he has great receivers to stack with necessarily, but 6,800, eh, you know, that you, you could uh, do worse. And again, I think it, it is a tournament play in the sense that uh, his roster percentage should be among the lowest of the usable uh, quarterbacks on Saturday. All right, looking at running backs. Ronnie Rivers, uh, a player that I believe I've rostered on a number of college football dynasties on NCAA football over the years. <laughs> uh, is there a, a Ronnie Rivers, Jake Hayner stack to be had this week? Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good way of, of attacking this uh, Fresno State offense. Uh, obviously, it's going to be chalky. But I mean, I, I think especially when you're talking about DraftKings, where it's full point PPR, and he's someone that, that you know, over the course of, of last season, would have had over 50 catches and over 500 yards receiving in addition to being an over a thousand yard rusher. Plus the fact that he's playing against UConn. I don't know if Fresno state has the, um, the idea of, of making their own Heisman case for, for Ronnie rivers, but he's going to be able to do whatever the hell he wants to do against, against UConn. Um, there's really no stopping him. It's just a matter of how fresh do they want to keep him um, for that uh, week one game, which I believe is, is against Oregon. But I think either way, even if Rivers isn't playing all four quarters, he's going to do enough on a per-touch basis to end up uh, hitting that value. And I, I'm honestly surprised to see his his um, salary check in under 8K. I would have expected to be a little bit more. Maybe that has to do with the fact that he's probably not playing 60 minutes. But even still, uh, Rivers is a very, very strong play for this week, uh, assuming that you can fit him into your lineup build. Um, a guy that I think is really, really interesting is Calvin Turner of Hawaii. He, he should be popular as well. He kind of plays it, his own role. He's playing he's playing against UCLA. Uh, Demetric Felton uh, on UCLA, kind of similar in, in terms of what he did at UCLA, just being a, a dynamic pass catcher that was also um, a, a running back doing a lot of, of solid production on the ground. So I think Calvin Turner is going to be able to do that. Um, you do need to bear in mind that, that UCLA has a lot of returning talent on defense and was actually kind of decent last year. And, and they, you know, they lost 
to, just to like USC and Oregon by a combined eight points. So, I mean, they're, they're not a, they're no slouch so that they could, you know, kind of gum up the works as far as this Hawaii offense is concerned. But I think that there's just so many cheap catches for, um, for Calvin Turner to get that at 6,400, you know, he could have a hundred total yards and like 10 catches. So like that, that I think is, is more than enough uh, to, of a value return. And if he scores a touchdown, then, then, you know, you we're, we're reaching uh, over four X value. So um, I do like Calvin Turner a fair bit. If I'm playing the other side at running back, Zach Charbonnet is the UCLA running back that, that I'm using. Um, I'm not using Britton Brown, even though he, I think I saw that he was on top of their depth chart. Um, I think Charbonnet is going to be the guy. I think they're both going to get enough opportunities um, to where um, this sets up really nicely for Charbonnet, the, the uh, transfer uh, from Michigan. And then um, one sleeper that I, that I want to get to. Um, so I, I alluded to this a minute ago that we don't fully know how the pecking order is going to shake out in, in Nebraska, but they want to find a workhorse. And apparently it's not USC transfer Marquis Step. It could be Sevion Morrison, who was, was a big time recruit for Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, for Nebraska um, out of the state of Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Um, did not play last year because of injuries and, you know, it was a COVID year, but he's apparently been awesome all fall camp and he checks in at min price. So I'm sure that I'm not the only person that that's that's kind of caught on to this, but um, it kind of seems like he might be the the um, the min price du jour um, for this week zero slate. He's someone that, that you're definitely going to going to want to try to get uh, some exposure to this weekend. So that that's that's going to be my, my big sleeper. Let's finish out. Receiver, uh, another Fresno State player sits atop the board at this position, uh, Jalen Cropper. We got, I, I would say, a bit of a mixed bag salary-wise. You know, you, you have Cropper at 7300 um, You know, not a ton of differential as you go down the list, you know, two $300 between, you know, e- each guy listed. There's not a, a massive drop-off, you know, where you have to get player X in your lineup. Um, where, where, where do you see this position breaking down in week zero? Yeah, so it is pretty bunched, like you said. Um, you know, you got Jalen Cropper at, at the top. I'm probably fading him. I, I, you know, this is completely admitting that that he's the number one receiver for, for Fresno State. He's going against UConn, so, you know, he, he could have two catches that both go for touchdowns, that, that kind of thing. But um, when you can get someone else um, for a little bit less – maybe you can end up liking your, your lineup a little bit more. Um, obviously if you're playing with, with a min price guy like Sevian Morrison that, this week, that then maybe that, that affords you uh, the ability to go after a guy like Cropper, but I would probably jump down to Zane Pope. Um, he's someone who was a 500 yard receiver two years ago, missed most of the year last year, but was really impressive um, when he did play. He's 6,700. So that that's the Fresno state guy uh, that I would consider Kyrick Wheatfall um, at 5,500 also in consideration um, out of Fresno state. I think that you just want a good bit uh, of the, of the Bulldogs going up against um, UConn. And then uh, as far as other guys are concerned, usually we're not big tight end guys for, for DFS, but, but Greg Dolchich kind of has a unique role. One, I think, you know, among projected tight ends. I don't know if anyone has a higher uh, projected target share uh, than Dolchich. Uh, he's at 6K. I like, I'm playing him over Kyle Phillips in every lineup. I don't think I'm going to get much Kyle Phillips um, exposure. So um, Dolchich, you know, and obviously by being a red zone or being a tight end guy, uh, you like the red zone chances of him scoring a touchdown as well. Um, other guys to consider, um, Torre, out of Nebraska, Samori Torre. Um, I think he's going to be that number one guy. Um, there, there's some discussion on, on a um, Nebraska 
uh, radio call that this morning uh, that there's potential for uh, all, um, not Oliver Martin, but Omar Manning to, to be limited in this one. So I think that opens things up even further for, for a guy like Torre uh, to do well against Illinois. And then I'm also interested um, in Isaiah Williams for Illinois. He's a huge, huge get for them on the recruiting trail a couple of years ago. Uh, he was a quarterback by trade. They've moved him um, to, to receiver to kind of get the most out of his athletic ability. But he had uh, some impressive stats last year. Uh, he had a game where he ran for 192 yards against Rutgers. Uh, he's still kind of raw at, at receiver, of course, but um, I like his upside a lot. So he's someone that I would consider um, as well. All right, John, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's make some money here. Um, if you were a betting man, which I, I know you are not, I know you would never, ever wager Me? on no. sports in a, in a state, the state of Wisconsin, uh, in which it is still illegal. Uh, but we have Nebraska, minus six and a half, minus seven, depending on where you look. Uh, total of 54 and a half for this game. Is there an angle that you like in Nebraska, Illinois? Um, I, I think I will go with Nebraska covering that that six and a half. It, if it was seven and a half, I, I wouldn't like it as much, but six and a half, um, I, I think that sits right where it should be. And I know that public momentum is moving towards Illinois and that kind of makes me th- consider the other side of it. So um, I, I'm again, I'm still too worried about Illinois, Illinois' run defense versus this Nebraska run game. So give me Nebraska minus six and a half. I like it. You can get that at minus 105 on the DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I wouldn't hate maybe bumping that up to Nebraska minus nine, Nebraska minus nine and a half. You can get some plus money there. Yeah. Uh, a ton of alternate point spreads available on DraftKings. All right, let's go to UConn Fresno State. Uh, we, we talked about this spread. Might, might have to bleep it out. 27 and a half. <laughs> And Fresno State minus 27 and a half at home. 62 and a half is the total. Not a lot of action here on the money line unless you really believe UConn is going to travel well to the West Coast here. Uh, you know, Fresno State minus 4,500 there. Um, how do you look at this one? Uh, I, it, the idea of UConn traveling well to Fresno State is very funny. Like, it, I hope we do see like one like really sad UConn fan like in the in the stands as as they're uh, looking up losing by more than twenty seven and a half points because I do think that this is one of those lines that Vegas kind of dares you to bet one way or the other. Um, I think UConn they they didn't play at all last year. Fresno State played and played extremely well. They bring almost everybody back on, on that offensive side of the ball. Um, that, that matters, at least for, for fantasy. Um, that doesn't obviously uh, win you every single game. You, you got to have the rest of your team doing well. But, man, I think that this is going to be like a, like a 41-3 to three, uh, type of game in favor of Fresno State. So that, that 20, it would have to go into the 30s, I think, for me to, to reconsider um, the, uh, siding with Fresno State on this one. So I'd probably go Fresno State uh, minus 27.5, and I'd go the under. I, I don't think that UConn is going to be able to pull their weight enough Usually if there's a spread this big, especially in week one, it's like it probably could be bigger, you know, and I, I, I it's, it's hard to have confidence in a team traveling that far, like literally about as far as you could possibly travel for this game within the contiguous lower 48. Um, <laughs> let's go to Hawaii, UCLA. Speaking of not the lower 48, uh, Hawaii plus 18 at UCLA. It's been tough to trust this UCLA team. Um, in, in recent years, you know, it, it, it's kind of weird to see them being this big of a favorite. Obviously, Hawaii, uh, not exactly Alabama here uh, of the Pacific Ocean, but um, some opportunities, I think, to make some money. You can get UCLA minus 18 at plus 100, um, which, if you know, if, if you think this is going to be a blowout, if you kind of feel similarly about this game as you do to Fresno State, UConn, 
I think getting UCLA at plus money is not a bad deal. I, I'm with you, man. Like it, when I was looking this over initially, my, my gut said Hawaii, especially, you know, if they had to only cover 17 and a half, 18. Um, I think that this one will end up being close to that number, but I got to side with UCLA. The more I dug into them, uh, the more I was impressed by actually how they performed last year. I think that they, they might not be getting quite enough credit. Again, like I mentioned, uh, losing to USC and Oregon by a combined eight points. Um, you know, so they're hanging in with, with everyone that they're playing. Had a couple impressive wins there as well. According to Bill Connolly, um, in his returning production metrics, they're third in returning offensive production and eighth in returning defensive production. So that makes them the second most return or uh, like experienced team in college football. Um, I think that that just, that just really holds nicely. And I think that that's going to carry over into this year. Um, again, I think that I, I've been one of the loudest critics of this Chip Kelly era at UCLA, but I, I, I just think that um, it, when it comes down to it, Hawaii just not going to be able to stop that Chip Kelly run game for, for all four quarters. And I think that, that that's going to be the difference in, in Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, likely a- entering his potential last season as UCLA's quarterback, a ton of experience on, on his end. They've got the weapons in the passing game as well. Um, I just think that Hawaii makes this fun, makes this interesting, but I think UCLA pulls away and covers that spread. So, so give me UCLA. I don't have a play on, on the, uh, on the total, but uh, it's week zero. Have some fun. Go over. This is a game that you've just been hassling me about all week. Like, <laughs> I got the in, I got the in UTEP minus 10 at New Mexico state totals 56 and a half. Uh, well, New Mexico state got hammered by uh, Tarleton state this spring. Ah. Um, so I'll go UTEP even though they're traveling. I, I will I will go with UTEP on that one. That's uh, That game uh, is about as bad as it gets. It, that's a game that, that even tests my desire to watch it. I will watch it, but um, I'm not going to be happy about it. No, me neither. I mean, we're getting to that point in the year where, you know, if you're just scrolling through channels, I actually recently switched over to YouTube TV, so I'm still kind of getting my bearings uh, as far as how that whole app works. But it's like you're scrolling through channels on, like there's a bunch of games next Thursday. And I think Ohio State plays Minnesota. And I, I guarantee you I'm going to skip past Big Ten Big Ten Network and I'm going to be like, Ohio State, Minnesota. This, this must be from last year. Oh, this must be a rerun. This, this <laughs> is from like 2008. Like getting back into that mindset where it's like, this is an actual game happening right now. It's going to take a while. No, for, for sure. And we, yeah, we get treated to some, yeah, some – some interesting stuff. You get, you know, <laughs> Citadel is going to be on ESPN next Thursday. Weber State is going somebody's, to, you know. Somebody's playing Long Island. I think Florida International is playing Long Island University. Like, I had no idea they even had a team. Shame on Butch Jones for that. Um, yeah, yeah we, Weber State, uh, the Joel Bollum boy, uh, the, pri- the pride of Weber State basketball. Damian um, Lillard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I missed that one. But um, <laughs> now it's always kind of been like, who do you, who do you got, Bollum boy or Lillard? <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's a it's a debate that echoes through the dining halls there i'm sure i'm certain of it that, that's an unbelievable name drop by the way joel Ballenboy. I mean, i'm i'm the nba guy i haven't even thought about him in in years um all right let's finish out san jose state southern utah uh this is another one you've just been beaten down by proverbial door on slack san jose state <laughs> minus 22 against the southern utes totals 56 in this game i i feel weird even asking this but what's your lean it, you know, my, my lean is, is a dear better to just go to sleep. Um, if, instead of, uh, thinking about betting on this one, um, I will say that San Jose state has to cover more than three touchdowns. And 
I will also say that they lost like all of their receiving production from last year and they don't really replace it with particularly impressive guys, at least that we know of. So with that in mind, if I had to do it to them, I mean, I would actually consider uh, Southern Utah, but maybe that makes me a, a gigantic donkey and I, I ruined my credibility at the end of, a, of what was otherwise a very good podcast. I think you were on the right track with sleep. You can get sleep in this game plus 150. Money. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to take that. Um, this is a game that's <laughs> going to start late. You, you know, when these two teams get together, it's going to be one of those like 1030 central time starts. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I wish I could weigh in on this one. I'm going to have to tap out. I have no thoughts on the Southern Utah San Jose state spread. Um, but you said it, man, this was great. It, it's been, it's been awesome to get back and talk to you uh, about these. And honestly, it's going to get better and better when we have, uh, teams that aren't San Jose State and Southern Utah to talk about. You know, when we're when we're talking like midseason Big Ten bets and, and SEC oh, yeah. bets, it's, it's just going to get better and better. Yeah, man, I'm I'm so fired up. I'm so glad we, we got this back rolling. Um, this, this is going to be an amazing season, and you know, we, this was a lot of fun. And then you know, next week we get the full slate. This is just the appetizer. We we get the you know the steak and potatoes uh, next week with with that full week one slate with tons of ranked matchups and lots of good stuff to look forward to. So I'm pumped. Yeah, man. Best of luck to your Georgia Bulldogs. Best of luck from me to my Wisconsin Badgers who (laughs) open up with a not so easy game uh, against Penn state. Uh, Not that Georgia has an easy one either, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It might be a little tricky. Yeah. We'll see. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.